Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back, everybody. You have no idea how thrilled I am to be back with you this week, not only because I have a killer guest on the podcast, but because last week was pretty rough for me. If you follow me on Instagram or you read Monday's blog post, I was in the hospital last week. I know, right? Wellness Wonderland's mayor in the hospital. Seems like an oxymoron, but it's true. I had kidney stones last week, which if you haven't heard, they really freaking hurt. They've It's been said that they are as painful as having a baby, and I haven't done that, but I have had kidney stones, and they're really freaking painful, so I don't doubt it now. But yeah, it was an interesting, interesting experience in a lot of ways, and I learned a lot from it, which I shared a little bit of on Monday with my four ways to shift a negative situation, which I'll post that post in the show notes here so you can read that if you haven't. But basically, I want to get a little bit more into the specifics um, of kidney stones and just do a little... PSA for kidney stone prevention um, to start this episode. So one major cause I have learned from my urologist, and yes, I am a 20-something female with a urologist, quite rare, but he told me that it is dehydration. So yeah, I, I hydrate pretty well now, and that wasn't always the case, actually, and you can be cooking up kidney stones now that you won't really feel the effects of for like a year or two, right? So I used to do a ton of hot yoga and I mean like a ton, like multiple classes a day and I would drink water but I wouldn't hydrate enough. So that that was in college and, and you know a couple years ago and that could have been part of it. And, you know, to be honest, I, I probably can up my, my water intake. I, I drink some water. I don't really have too much caffeine, but lately I've been drinking a little bit more green tea, but I don't know if that was even the cause of it. I think, you know, a good rule of thumb is to just drink as much water as you can. Is Drink when you're thirsty, you know. They say to drink about half your body weight in ounces of water so just another reminder to drink a ton of water I mean and every time you have caffeine just remember that that cancels out the water that you did drink so you need to drink that much more so my friend and fellow podcaster Sean Stevenson who I've had on this podcast twice um, awesome dude he hosts the model health show the Sean Stevenson model model health show check it out and his episode last week just happened to be a masterclass on water, on hydration. So I highly suggest listening to that episode, which I will also link in the show notes so you can hear it. 
But I thought it was pretty apropos that last week that was his show topic, water, when, when I really needed to hear it. So, of course, that would happen, and I listened to it, and I really enjoyed it. And he, in that episode, quotes Daniel Vitalis, who, again, is really an expert in water and this whole conversation of water. So I would also jump back and listen to my conversation with Jan- Daniel Vitalis from the first season of this show and I will post that link below in the show notes as well and it's about time to get Daniel Vitalis back on the show so I will work on that I will make myself a note to do that so another cause other than water and hydration to kidney stones is actually calcium and having too much calcium so there are many many types of kidney stones But in particular, the type that I had um, was a calcium stone. So getting too much calcium is actually a thing, right? So even eating too much spinach and too many of those green leafy vegetables can be damaging. So moderation is good for everything. And now I'm not giving you a free hall pass to not eat your green leafies, especially if you don't eat any right now. Like you still probably should eat a good amount and, and even probably amp up Most of us need to amp up our green leafy vegetable intake quite a bit. Most of the standard American diets lack them. But some of us in wellness wonderlands across the world have been on this journey for a while. If you're anything like me and you know my story and especially the the stuff that I shared last week about my orthorexic past. But basically, you know, I was having spinach at every meal. I was having spinach in my smoothie, spinach in my salad, spinach in my eggs, spinach in my, I'll just toss it in these cookies, I'll toss it in these pancakes, I'll put it in my ice cream, you know, if I even ate ice cream, but but yeah, whatever, I was eating a ton of spinach, and um, yeah, like Popeye over here, and basically it causes a lot of calcium to build up in the body, and it wasn't working for me, and a way that that can manifest in some people who are susceptible is kidney stones and so anyways I just wanted to kind of shed the light on that give you some info in case you are like me and eat a lot of spinach Um, I just want to share that and inspire people to maybe lighten up on the kale but but really to inspire people to amp up the balance and the pleasure in their lives if they've lost that a bit and becoming healthy, right? It's often that we become healthy in this addictive way and forget the pleasure, and that has been the case for me. So you can tweet that if you relate, but amp up the pleasure and keep the balance in your life. So on to this week's episode. Cut to my hospital room last week, right? My nurse walks in and she says to me that her name is Katie Rose and she will be taking care of me. And I was like, wait a second, that is my name. And so literally the woman had my exact name, first name and middle name. Pretty weird. She wasn't even a Catherine or a Kathy or a Caitlin. Like her real name was just Katie Rose, just like mine. So funny. So anyway, she was was great. She was like this angel clearly put there to help me out on this really bad day and I learned um, after speaking with her a little bit that she was going through a divorce and a really really tough thing for anyone 
And I told her a little bit about what I do and about this podcast. And I said that I recently interviewed an expert around the topic of divorce. And not particularly necessarily divorce, but about taking significant leaps of faith in your life. Like leaving a relationship or leaving a job or moving. Insert your jump of choice, right? any big movement in your life and I so I told her I had interviewed someone and that that podcast would be posted soon but I didn't know when and from there I got home this weekend and I decided that this would be the week that I air the episode with my friend and mentor Nancy Levin today because it is about that topic and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do and you learn so much from Nancy and her wisdom. So without further ado, we'll, we'll get into today's episode and just really soak it in. Enjoy every word and just see the ways that you want to make jumps in your life. So as you know, it would be super awesome if you could leave a review on iTunes about the show. It really helps me out. But also, and more importantly, actually, tell a friend about this episode, especially if they're making a jump in their life, especially if they're going through a divorce or leaving a job or relationship or moving or just anyone in transition, which basically is everyone. They're either in the transition or they want to be, I think. Um, or they just did, right? So yeah, so share the episode. And one more thing, I almost forgot this, but I'm super psyched about something, you guys. Um, There's a new way to support the pod, a new way to support the podcast, yeah. So you can click on the tab on my website, thewellnesswonderland.com, that says support the show. And I'll have this link in the show notes, so definitely go to the show notes. But Basically, if you find value to listening to my podcast, you can toss some value at the podcast to keep the lights on here in Wonderland and help me continue to produce content for you. So when you donate at different levels, you can donate any amount you want, but I have it on there on the donate page. It's super cool in different levels. So if you donate a certain amount of money, you'll get different swag for different values that you donate. So it includes everything at different sponsorship levels um, from a personal tweet by me, being thanked live on the podcast, being able to suggest a, a show topic that I do or a guest or even winning a free one-on-one or not winning but earning by donating a free one-on-one Wellness Wonderland Method life coaching session with me. So yeah, check out the donate page on the site. And tell me what you think. And if you want to donate, it's super easy. It's just through PayPal. So you just click on the buttons and it's right through PayPal. So that's that. And on that page as well, there's another way to support the show, which is clicking through my Amazon link. So our Amazon link is at the bottom of the donate page where you can basically just click on that link to Amazon and buy whatever you would normally buy on Amazon And then, you know, in this episode, you're going to probably want to buy Nancy Levin's book, Jump and Your Life Will Appear. Just saying, it's super good and you should definitely buy it. But basically, check that out and you can go ahead and buy what you would normally buy and it costs you nothing additional, but Amazon tosses some pennies our way to help keep the lights on here in Wonderland. 
So thank you so much for listening and enjoy Nancy Levitt. And I said that was the last thing, but I have one more thing I want to tell you guys about. So Hay House, where Nancy Levin used to be the events director and which publishes, founded by Louise Hay herself and publishes lots of great books, soon to be my book, is having their I Can Do It 2014 conference in Pasadena, California. So you may be thinking, I don't live in Pasadena, California. I can't get there this weekend. It's this weekend, the, the 24th through the 26th of October. But they're live streaming it online. How cool is that? And it's like 50 bucks. So I would love it if you guys would live stream that with me. I'm going to read you some of the people who are going to be speaking. Dr. Wayne Dyer, Tim Ryan, Sonia Choquette, Mike Dooley, who I'm like obsessed with lately, Carolyn Mace, Nick Ortner, Doreen Virtue, Anita Morjani. There's a ton of peeps that are really cool. This lineup is like insane. So anyways, if you guys want to live stream that with me, that'd be super awesome. And there's going to be a link in the show notes there, which is also a way to support the show. So there'll be a link in the show notes and just watch it with me. I think it'd be really cool and we can discuss it online together. I'll be posting about my experience on the blog as well. So enjoy Nancy for real this time. I promise I won't be coming back with more to tell you about, but I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye guys. I am super thrilled for today's episode because my mentor and huge writing inspiration, Nancy Levin, is in the Wellness Wonderland. As most of you know, I have a book coming out with Hay House as a result of this very woman. I won a contest at a writer's workshop I attended with Nancy, where during the workshop, her exercises, her writing exercises, actually inspired my book, Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. And through during, during the workshop, doing her exercises, I realized something that I don't know how I'm feeling unless I'm writing. And for me, journaling was the missing link when I began my spiritual practice. And to let it elevate my life, I needed to be able to see what I was thinking through journaling. So inspired by Nancy and many of the Hay House authors that I love so much, my dream is coming a reality. And I am finishing up my guidebook in journaling, which will hold your hand by taking you through these tools and interactive practices to get you on a practice with journaling. So anyways, it's a huge honor to have Nancy, who started it all here in Wonderland, to talk to us about her experience and her new book, Jump, which is amazing, and I can't wait to jump into that. And Nancy, if you don't know already, she's the best-selling author of Jump, like I said, and Jump and Your Life Will Appear. That's the subtitle. It's so awesome. And she's also the author of Writing for My Life, which, which is a beautiful poetry book. And she's also a certified integrative coach through the Ford Institute for Transformational Training. So since 2002, she's been the event director at Hay House, which is where I met her through. And she produces these amazing events and conferences. And now she's here in Wonderland. And even though she travels a lot, she's now stopping by to talk to us and I'm so excited, and thank you so much for visiting, Nancy. I am so happy to be here, and I am thrilled about your upcoming book, and I am so looking forward to reading it. Oh, 
my gosh. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm so excited too. And like, I, I, I haven't even talked about it on the podcast yet. So I'm really glad I was able to tell everyone about it because it's still a ways out, but it's just, it's so surreal. The whole thing is just so surreal. And, um, you know, if anyone has the, the inkling that they want to write a book or they're excited about any of the stuff that we talk about in here, I highly suggest they head over to a writer's workshop themselves because you never know what can happen, right? That's very true. <laughs> never know. And you are very deserving. Oh, I'm thrilled for you. Thank you so much. I, I could cry right now, but I won't do it on the podcast. So, well, who knows? Maybe I will. We're going to get into some deep stuff here. So, I was just telling Nancy before the call that I'm just so excited to have a radically authentic, awesome, peaceful call with her that we just get to happen to record and have all of you guys here. And that's one thing I love about you, Nancy, and it really comes through in your your work, your writing, but especially your speaking, how authentic and real you are. And it helps people to really be able to personally relate to you and the details and like the nuances of your story. So I'd love to kind of start with that and, and zoom the lens back and start with your journey to where you are now. And, um, you know, one of the best lines, I think this is from your book, um, one of the first steps is to admit to yourself what you already know to be true. So maybe you could kind of use that line as a jumping off point to start with where you came from and where you're, you are now doing this work. Perfect. Sure. So this particular aspect of my journey began on April 12th, 2008, when I arrived home from producing an event with Hay House. And I discovered that my husband of nearly 18 years had read my journals. And it was a very confronting time for me. Yeah. And in that moment, I knew that I needed to tell the truth to myself. So my marriage had been crumbling for quite some time. I was very busy projecting an image of perfection to the world and managing the perceptions of others. It was far more important to me that other people thought my life looked perfect and happy than that it actually was either of those things on the inside. In mm. fact, for quite some time, I thought happiness and fun were just for other people. Yeah. And as I arrived back at home and he stood in the hallway holding four of my journals and said, I'm going to make copies of pages and send them to your parents, your sister, your friends, your coworkers, and let's see what they think when they know the real Nancy. He knew that my greatest fear was any sort of exposure. And no one knows how to push your buttons the way someone who has been married yeah. to you for 18 years does. So I was swimming in a lot of fear of the persona that I had built, I was living in a lot of fear of that persona coming tumbling down. Mm. And I also knew that I had a choice 
I could either go back to sleep and keep living the life I was living or I could wake up and take this jump into the life that I wanted to live that was in alignment with my truth. And I often say that when my husband and I met, on the day we met, it was as if he introduced himself by saying to me, hi, I'm broken. And I said, great, I'm superwoman, I will fix you. (laughs) And, you know, our core wounds were a match made in heaven. And as our marriage progressed and as we became more enmeshed and as I began sublimating all of my desires to fulfill all of his, I stopped living my own life. And marriage was a very long time for me to be away from myself. Yeah. And that next day, after he, after he confronted me with the journals, I destroyed over 70 volumes of my writing. I've been writing since I was 11 years old. I destroyed over 70 volumes of my journals. Mm-hmm. And... He, as he threatened to send the copies of the pages to people, he also threatened to call my parents. And I decided it was time to make to take matters into my own hands. And I picked up the phone and I called my parents. And it was very early on a Sunday morning. And I asked them both to get on the phone. And I said, We're probably getting divorced. And my mother said, I'm not surprised. So that was interesting to me. Mm. And then she said, what happened? And I said, he read my journals and discovered that I'd had an affair eight years prior. And my mother said, I can't believe you've been carrying this secret around for eight years. And in that moment, I felt the need to uphold the mask, the cape, the armor. I felt all of that release. Mm. And it was probably the first time I was really, really brutally honest. And we went on to have a conversation about how unhappy I'd been and how trapped I'd felt and how controlling he was and my mother said she'd seen it all. And the truth is, is that for most of my life, I had lived someone else's life, what they wanted me to be. And I had really lost touch with my own sense of desire, my own sense of opinion, my own sense of vision. And so leaving my marriage, which I want to say was a process. I did not leave the next day. In fact, it took me nearly two years to leave. I was so, I was such a people pleaser. I had so much shame. I had so much guilt. And I really thought that I deserved to be punished. So I allowed my ex-husband to punish me. I enabled the situation. I stayed so that I could be punished because I felt I deserved that. I now really understand and really know that that's not acceptable and that anger, 
that there are appropriate ways to express anger. There's an appropriate time frame for anger. And that what I really know now about anger, that I've sort of reclaimed it and have been able to express it on my own, that when we're angry with someone who we truly love, even when we're, you know, red hot, livid angry, if we love that person, we don't want them to feel pain. Yeah. And that was something I really take to heart now that I know this because that wasn't the dynamic in my marriage. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that so raw and so authentically. And like I said, that's something I love about you. And um, just picking up on a couple of things and, and what you shared there, I've never heard you share the part about calling your parents. And uh, Yeah, I've never really shared that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really glad you did here and, um, and with me now because I think a lot of people resonate with that because I do at least, especially, you know, younger people. And I, I, I assume, you know, this stays for your entire life, but there's something about telling your parents or your mom, especially, I think, for a lot of women um, that have that sort of relationship, it to me, it almost makes things real, right? Like before I tell my mom about something, it, it's it's not real in my mind in some way. Yes. And it's also like the scariest thing because these are the people, even though you were married for 18 years, but your mom has known you for even longer and, again, knows all of those buttons and, and you can kind of anticipate what they're going to say and so it can make it even scarier. So I love that you shared that about the relief you felt after doing that. Thank you. You know, it's interesting. I've just really made, um, I really haven't talked about that phone call. Yeah. And I've really just recently made a conscious decision to speak freely. Um, I mean, I, I share the full story in my book about, about the affair. So I've just yeah. really made a decision to speak freely about it. Yeah, and I so thank you. I picked up on that myself because I remember hearing your story without that and then hearing it with that. And I think that it's powerful. I'm so glad that that you do share that because and I think I heard you say this another time, but the more specific that we can get in our stories, the more people can relate to them and even like a broader amount of people can relate to them, which seems sort of counterintuitive, but I've found that in my own story too. Like I you know, used to talk about spirituality and wellness and um, all of these things, but I never really told this reason why I came to this work. And I just was like, oh, you know, now I'm now I'm a spirit junkie and into wellness and I love Hay House and no one really knew why. And then all of a sudden I started to speak about my eating disorder and how I came to this work. And that was when things really kind of lifted for me and more people wanted to know more because there was that connection fact. Yeah, you know, and yeah, so it's the more specific we are, the more universal it is. Yeah. And the other piece of this, and this really is a segue into step two in my book, which mm -hmm. is tell the truth to someone safe. What I've also found is that when, you know, here's what I actually believe. I believe that we're all hiding something Yeah. that we think we need to hide in order to be loved and accepted. It may not be something as you know, something as grand as an affair or an eating disorder. It may, whatever it is, whatever is the thing that we feel shame about that we feel we have to hide. And 
that when we tell the truth to someone safe, it's like we're a pressure cooker and we hit the release valve and the steam can come out. We can, and in that, in that release, the guilt and shame can't live in the open air. They can only live inside the secret. So good. And I just really right now feel like an advocate for free expression of our voice, of our truth. And that means letting letting the shame and guilt into the open air so that it can dissipate and so that it's no longer controlling us. Yeah, I mean, that right there, that's it. I mean, I love the, the beach ball example from... Um, from yeah, Debbie from Ford's Debbie movie, Ford. mm-hmm. yeah, who I know is you know a big friend of yours and inspiration to you always. Mm-hmm. But she speaks about. I'll just explain it quickly. Our yep. secrets that we hold on to are like a beach ball trying to push it underwater, and it it's so hard to do that all of a sudden it's just going to come up to the surface and make a huge splash instead of just allowing it to to come up. And I think it's just when you can be real with people people fall in love with you and you feel so much better because you're completely being yourself and it doesn't take that energy of holding that beach ball down. And that's what I found and that's why I promote here in Wellness Wonderland radical authenticity because it's just so freeing and feels so good. And I found that whenever I'm in those situations where I'm taken out because I believe we go in and out of authenticity and and Mm -hmm. that's, that's okay, but when I'm taken out, I feel hungover. I feel ill. I feel like just bad. So the more we can come back to it, I think is awesome. I would love if you could actually talk about that, Nancy, about how we um, kind of go in and out of authenticity. And, and one question you always, you or I've heard you speak about before is asking yourself, where are you abandoning yourself? And then how to come back. Yeah, you know, because so, so many of us are people pleasers. And so many of us, you know, are seeking for external validation. Yes. And chasing gold stars. And, you know, I really finally learned that no gold stars would ever be enough. And that seeking all of that external validation, all I was doing was trying to fill myself up from the outside when what really needs to happen is I need to fill myself up on the inside. And that the ways in which I was abandoning myself, the ways I would, the ways in which I was betraying myself and stepping over my own boundaries, the ways that I was inauthentic was, were the ways I was trying to buy love and buy attention and buy affection. Mm. And, and that's what happens when we feel empty inside we do whatever it takes to earn the love outside of us. And yet we can't ever fill our tank that way. Yeah. You, you've said before too, I know that you ask yourself before you do something, am I doing this to get love or am I doing this to give love? That's so yes. powerful. Can you talk about yes. that a little? Yeah, you know, it's really, about, it's really about intention and motivation. What is my true intention and motivation here? Is it to give love or is it to get love? And, you know, am I, is it about being of service or is it about, am I trying to buy accolades? Am I trying to buy attention? Am I trying to buy gold stars? Yeah. And 
what I've really come to understand is that until I shift how I feel about myself on the inside, let me say it this way. You know, we all have these negative, we have negative beliefs about ourselves, right. whatever they are, whatever those shadow beliefs are that we've grown up with. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. And what happens is we become magnets and we draw toward us in the outside world people, experiences, and things that will reconfirm those beliefs. So our external circumstances are a reflection of our internal landscape. So nothing will change until we shift the internal landscape, until we shift those beliefs into empowering and limitless beliefs. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm just like soaking it up like a sponge. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally makes sense. And so can you talk about that concept of why self-love and self-forgiveness are so crucial in every minute of every day and, and how you cultivate those things in your daily life? I have really been on um, – I've been on an interesting little journey over the last few months, I was in a relationship um, after my divorce. I was in a relationship with a really wonderful guy. And the bottom line is that even though we love each other, we want very different things. Mm -hmm. So we actually decided to let each other go about five months ago. And I've really been on my own for these five months. And it's a very different on my own than, I, than I've ever been before. I was on my own after my divorce. I've been on my own at other times in my life. But this time on my own, I really feel that it's about being with myself. It's about mm-hmm. being in relationship with myself. I, have, I am so completely in love with spending time with myself. The most important relationship, right? <laughs> yeah, and it is. And I really have been able to, in real time, get on a deep level that if I am in right relationship, if I am in integrity, if I am in truth with myself, that will fill me more than any other relationship could ever fill me. And that will fill me in a way that I don't need to go outside of myself for anything else. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to live the rest of my life as a hermit. I'm not saying I'm never going to be in relationship again. And I certainly have very intimate and very dear friends. And, And relationships and friendships are critical because we can't see ourselves. We need... We need the people around mirrors. us to be mirrors yeah. back to us. Exactly. So it's critical that we have relationships. But what I'm really learning in this time, you know, this liminal space, this time in between, yes. this time that's no longer and not yet. Yes. So I was is... just about to read that line. It's like my favorite <laughs> oh, line from you. Oh. I'm so glad you said it. Yeah. Um, I really am into being as present as I can with what's here now instead of wishing or hoping or wanting anything to be any different. I mean, that's something that I've really come to understand that 
all the events and circumstances and relationships in my life have been really orchestrated and co-created by me yep. so that I can learn the lessons that I came into this lifetime to learn. I'm here for a very specific reason. Yeah. And we and all are. And we all are. And that's what's so, that is something that I'm just so taking in and so getting excited about all of this. Like, I am clear, Earth is just this big classroom, you know, this classroom where we're all here to learn a divine assignment. And our biggest struggle, that thing that you want to change about yourself most, is very clearly what you're here to teach and what we go through is we're here to to learn what we need to learn and heal and then teach how we heal and that's so what Nancy's doing it's what I'm doing and it's it's our purpose for each and every one of us in whatever setting that that comes in and I absolutely love your quote that you said there I'm gonna gonna just repeat it but yeah honoring the space between no longer and not yet and I think that that concept is so beautiful and I think it really applies in my own life and the lives of a lot of young people because I think we have these goals and these futures and all of these things that we want or I want to be an entrepreneur I want to do this or I want to do that I want to go here but I think it's really important to enjoy that in-between space and just be present there because I was thinking about this Nancy and I'd love your your feedback here it's like you know I'm not maybe I don't have the goals or I don't have the, you know, that out there. But it's like, you know what? The space I'm in here, I'm never going to be in again. This in between, mm-hmm. this anticipation, this Christmas Eve, you know, it's like, it's still really cool here. Like, Christmas Eve sometimes is better than Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. like that anticipation. So we might as well enjoy it. How do you remind yourself and remind your clients? to stay present in those in-between moments and soak up all of that, like you just said you're doing for yourself. Yeah, you know, so what I've really noticed in my own practice for myself and what I've translated into with clients is to really is to really look at the times in my lives, in my life, where I've rushed through these liminal spaces. I want to get in the next relationship or I want to get the next job or yeah. I want to, you know, go to college or whatever it is. And always when we get to the next thing we look back and we think god i really could have enjoyed that time or i made better use of that time or mm-hmm. i wish I, you know it's it's often that kind of experience and so i've just been able to somehow get to a place where i'm able to remember that as i'm in this place that i will that there will be some time in the future a year from now that i will look back on this time and i don't want to look back and think I didn't milk it for all it was worth. Yeah. And and so I've been able to work with clients around this too, taking them through processes where they can see where in their lives they rushed through the next thing or they didn't give themselves enough breathing time or enough enough space. You know, we're all we're all so busy filling up all of our space. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I'm right now I'm like I'm I'm the most protective over my time that I've ever been in my life. Yeah, I I'm saying no, no, far more than I'm saying yes. And I'm really protective of my time because I know that I need I'm out in the world and I'm doing all these things and I'm running around and I'm speaking and I'm teaching and I'm coaching and I'm doing all this. And then when I'm home in my own little 
when I, when it's my time, I really want to protect it so that I can, I can show really up, show up fully and be really rejuvenated and nourished in that regard. It's important to me. That's, that's so important. And I think the importance of no is so important. You know, if it's no is a complete sentence. If it's not a yeah. hell yes, it's a hell no. And yeah, and, and I've really, yeah, I've really learned to say no unapologetically, yeah. no without any excuse, you know, and, and, you know, that's a very different conversation than the very last chapter of my book, which is all about saying yes. And that's a very different you know, saying yes in that regard is very different than totally. the no I'm talking about here. <laughs> yes, yes. I just want to be clear that I'm not like saying no to life. I'm just saying, I'm just saying no, you're no just, to you're, things that are draining of my energy that right. I don't really need to do. Well, I think that what you mean here is like you're you're saying no to allow yourself to say yes to those opportunities and those experiences that you do want to have in your life so by saying you no it. you're you're freeing up time and I heard some like old uh, I was listening to like vintage show Richardson the other day <laughs> and she was saying like get rid of um 30 percent of the things yeah. that you have on your plate and um I feel like I'm you know juggling a billion hats right now and I I recently you know got rid of something and and put it down and it was scary, but it was this huge, tremendous sense of relief at the same time. So I think it's a way to honor yourself. It's self-care. Yeah. Cheryl always says a high quality life has more to do with what you take away than what you add. So good. That was the quote. Yeah. So good. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She always says that. That's, and it's very true. And, and, you know, I've been really working with that over the past, you know, over the past, especially maybe year and a half really yeah. looking at at the changes and shifts that I've wanted to make in my own life and you know so many things have happened around this um you know so you you mentioned I'm a coach and I, I and shortly after I separated from my now ex-husband Debbie Ford who is a very dear friend and mentor um she invited me to participate in the um, shadow process immersion weekend instead of produce it. I'd been producing all these events and she said, you're coming, your staff can produce the event. You're taking, you're doing the work. And that was really a catalyst for me into being able to make changes in my own life. And from that, I decided to hire my own coach. So I worked with a coach for quite some time. And then I decided to go through Debbie's year long certification program which I can tell you was more rigorous than my master's degree. And I decided to do the certification program just for my own inner work. It had nothing to do with wanting to be a coach. My job at Hay House is the job of three full-time people. It's not like I was looking to bring something Mm -hmm. else in. But what happened was at the end of my certification, I looked back and realized that who I had become was unrecognizable from the woman who entered that program. So it gives and me chills. I it gives me chills too. And <laughs> I felt I really felt called. I feel called on a mission to help other people get free. And I decided that I really wanted wanted to start coaching. So I just started coaching on the side. And then I learned how to do something that was unthinkable. I learned how to delegate. <laughs> and I learned how to ask for help. And I learned how to let other people do things that I thought I was the only one who could do them. 
And, and over time, I, as, as I've shared with you, you know, after 12 years of being the event director at Hay House, which has been a magnificent opportunity beyond anything I could have imagined, I am, as of this fall, going out on my own and coaching full time. And I'll be working on my third book come the fall, come the winter. Yeah. And then, and running around and speaking and teaching. So being the light and and being being what you're, it's such a perfect example of seeing your call and following it. But also it's so clear that the work that you did brought you to this point. And it's like that Steve Jobs quote of you can't sometimes connect the dots moving forward, but you can looking back. And it's so clear that a led you to B, led you to C, you know, being the event director and then going through your divorce and meeting some really groovy friends that you have totally, and were able to lead totally. them. And and you know, of essentially being able to do this work and, and you're just hearing that call and, and honestly, Nancy, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it probably doesn't even feel like a choice for you. Like you are here to make people feel free. I mean, it's just so clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a choice. It yeah. just feels like this is this is what's next. Yeah. It's you know, the path is just rolling out before me because again, I'm living I'm finally living my life. Authentically. Finally. Yeah. Authentically. And I'm finally understanding that there's no wrong way to live my life. Mm. There's no wrong way for any of us to live our lives. As long as so good. Yeah. As long as we're giving real, as long as we're giving voice to our truth and we're living in alignment and in integrity with our truth. That's all that matters. Radical authenticity. And it just Radical feels authenticity. so good, right? It just feels yeah. so – I think that's the key to happiness is just being who you are. It's funny. I was literally – so shortly before you called me, mm-hmm. I was on the phone with one of my clients and we were having a conversation, you know, so of course I draw toward, I draw toward me, all the people pleasers, all the perfectionists, you know, all that, like I draw toward me, of course. And, um, and we were having a conversation about, about people pleasing and about, you know, that she was really feeling, and I felt this many times that, you know, by saying no, it's disappointing someone or by doing what she wants to do, someone else might get mad at her, you know, something like that. And, and what, so what she does is she, she concocts these elaborate excuses and justifications and rationalizations. And I've been there. Yeah. And we just had a little conversation where I said, imagine the energy and resources available to you when you no longer have to concoct and uphold all that. Yeah. And she just like, I could feel her melting on the other side of the line because that's what I know for me. Mm-hmm. Living authentic, living authentically. I have so much more energy. Yeah. I have so much more resource. I can't even believe the mental activity it used to take Mm. 
yeah. to do all of that concocting and upholding. Well, it's because you were pushing that beach ball down, right? Yeah, we were, exactly. And it takes so much energy to do that. And, you know, what you're, when we're lying or we're not being truthful and we're not being honest, we have to manage those lies. You have to, like, literally manage them in your mind. Like, well, what did I tell? You know, and that takes so much energy. My grandma always says, a lie has no legs. that They take additional lies to support them. And exactly. you're constantly having to figure out, the next lie and to just manage, That's exactly manage, it. manage, right. manage. And when, right. And when you're telling the truth, there's nothing to remember. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You just are. You know, it's the, that's, it, things just are. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Mm, this is so juicy. I, I love this know. conversation. Yeah. Um, oh, so good. So, all right. So this is an interesting question I wanted to ask you. So I had the pleasure of meeting you, and then I obviously follow your work, and I think you embody the feminine energy so beautifully. I remember seeing you on stage and just think, like, she is so feminine and beautiful and, like, just embodies that in such a powerful way. So could you talk about, like, how you embrace femininity and um, that receptive energy in your life? Wow. Wow. The big um, question. <laughs> well, no, I mean, as you were asking me the question, I sort of had my mouth open because I was like, I do. <laughs> you do. Yeah. That's <laughs> thank I, you. That being is really, in your presence, that's what I got. Thank you. That is such a lovely thing to say. It's very true. And lovely <laughs> thing to receive. And I'm really receiving that. Good. And, you know, I've never, I've never answered this question. So I'm just going to go <laughs> with what really is alive for me okay. and what feels really like the answer. And, um, I lived much of my life and much of my marriage in a very restricted and rigid place. I was very righteous even about my my perfectionism and my rigidity. And I was in a marriage that was very controlling. So my ex-husband was very controlling, but I also was very controlling over myself. I, too, had an eating disorder, which manifested in me as trying to control something yeah. that because I couldn't control anything else. And that's super common in them, I think. Yeah. And I was very righteous about not drinking and not eating certain foods and not doing this and not doing that. And also in a place where... Um, my ex-husband was also very controlling over my body and he was, um, among many things, he was a personal trainer and he, it was literally like, it's two o'clock. You haven't run yet. So I was under a very strict regimen for my body and it wasn't really a feminine body. It was, it was a muscly body and a athletic body, but it wasn't really a feminine body. And when I left the marriage, I rebelled and I went into a period of time where I didn't even want to exercise. I didn't even want to move my body. And then I sort of one day woke up and said, okay, I want, I actually want to move today. I actually want to hike. And then, okay, I want to run. And then, okay, I want to ride my mountain bike and, or I want to ski or I want to do whatever. But so much of my reclaiming my feminine body has been about moving it the way that I want to move it. Yes. And 
eating what I want to eat. I am a healthy eater and sugar and I don't really get along very well, but I'm not, I'm no longer a, I'm no longer restrictive. I eat whatever I want to eat. Amazing. And I have never felt more at home and more comfortable in my body than I do now. And the other piece, you know, and I'll bring this in. Can we get a little racy? Of course, please. <laughs> so the Wellness know, Wonderland. Chapter, I know. So, you know, in chapter 10 of my book, I talk about my experience of shortly after leaving my marriage, I talk about my experience with orgasmic meditation. So good. And this was... I would say along, along the lines of what my first foray into the shadow work did for me, orgasmic meditation was another major step on my journey because I was completely cut off from my desire, completely cut off from my passion, from feeling anything. And I had been in so much pain in my marriage that I just wanted to feel nothing. I wanted to cut off all feeling because, you know, you can't sort of cut off the bad and leave the good. Right. So I cut off everything. And so really my experience with orgasmic meditation really opened me up to desire. It woke up my desire and woke up my hunger and woke up my sense of wanting and having and that was also a really integral piece yeah Yeah, integral piece to this whole aspect of the femininity that you're talking about the juiciness I am so happy that you shared that so really and and the I feel like that's such a crucial part of your story with um, what you went through with your husband and reclaiming your femininity where you were felt so stagnant, not only in the marriage, but in your body and getting mm-hmm. back into the body. And I want to pick up on, on – there's so much I could pick up on on what you just said there, and I'm, I'm so glad you shared it, but especially the exercise piece because – I think it's so easy for us to think we have to exercise and we have to move in a certain way and we have to get this much in and and be in that very controlled way where, you know, a lot of personal trainers tend to to be in and and people in that that industry. And and I think it's so powerful to kind of let your body reset. And I'm actually currently working with a coach who told me, you know, just make walking your exercise just for a week and just see what that's like. And it freaked me out. Oh, my goodness, Nancy. It freaked me out. But then I did it and she was like, you'll you'll start to eventually crave exercise and then you can do that. And I was like, well, I'll never crave exercise. Like, do people actually crave exercise? And and what she said to me was powerful. She was like, people do, but you never have because you've never given your body the opportunity to crave it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I completely agree. That's exactly how it was with me. And it's so cool to hear that story that you said, you know, at first you didn't and then you wanted to walk and then you wanted to hike and then you wanted to run. And and I think it's just so inspiring for people to just – and it's the same thing, you know, and we've spoken about this in Wonderland lots of times. But, you know, essentially if it's going to stress you out, it's not good for you, whether it's being restrictive with the food or whether it's eating something that you don't usually eat. But if it's going to stress you out – 
just do it because in life, like it's about being happy. It's about feeling good and eating and not being in that restrictive way, not putting labels on anything and just being. And your story is such the perfect example of that. I just, I could cry. I love it so much that you Mm. shared all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's such an interesting part of your story and it's great to hear these nuances and, and pick up on them like that. I And getting connected with your desire and your passion is probably something else that really connected you to your body even more. Absolutely. Completely. I, I didn't, I was so out of touch with my own wants and needs and desires. I just didn't think they were important. I thought everyone else's were more important. I, you know, had for so long been bending over backwards and jumping through hoops and doing whatever it took to fulfill everyone else's desires. So to even come to a place where, you know, first to realize I even have desire and then to be able to, um, voice them and act upon them was, you know, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So was writing and journaling a powerful practice for you and figuring out getting to know yourself again and figuring out what your desires were and what you wanted in your life? Absolutely. Especially in the time when I started writing again. So I said earlier that, that I, I destroyed 70 journals and then I actually didn't write for almost two years. And that was the longest period of my life I've ever not written. Oh man. I can't even imagine. I know I, I, but I was terrified Yeah. after, after, the exposure. So I started writing on, um, really tiny slips of paper that then I would just tear up and destroy. I would just write to get it out of me and destroy it. And then I started writing on my computer and keeping everything on a thumb drive that I carried with me everywhere. And then once I was finally in my own space, I started writing in a journal again. And I really came to that writing from a very different place than all the writing I had done earlier in my life because this I was really deep in my interior excavation I was really into figuring out you know what had gone down and what what were the what were the aspects of my life that had made me who I am and Connecting those dots. Connecting all those dots and all the deep shadow work that I've done and looking back and looking forward. I mean, that's the other thing, really looking forward, really understanding that, you know, if we can agree that who we are today is a culmination of every choice, every decision, every action we've made and taken up until now, then it just proves to reason that the that if we do nothing different in the present, our future will arrive looking like an extension of our past. Mm. So to really get that every single choice matters. Yes. And that every choice we make in the present moment is either in service of the life we desire to live into in the future, or it's sabotaging that. Yeah. It's doing one or the other. We have choices. And... So my writing at that time was really about being present to the present and the choices I was making and cleaning up 
you know, what needed to be cleaned up. And a lot of acceptance, a lot of surrender. And it's actually in that time period, I was asked by two of my colleagues at Hay House to write a poem to read during their wedding ceremony. So as I'm getting divorced, they asked <laughs> me to write this poem. <laughs> and I read the poem and Reed Tracy, who you know, who's the president and CEO of Hay House. Love He's him. a dear friend of mine, me too. He heard that poem and said, oh my God, you're a real poet. And I said, Reed, I have a master's in poetry. I can see him saying you know? that. I can like, I hear it like, in his voice. It's like, you're a real poet. Yeah. <laughs> Slow. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I am a real poet. And he said, why don't you start, why don't you start sharing pieces of your poems before the keynotes that I can do at conferences because I was already emceeing all the conferences and at first I really didn't I really didn't know if I wanted if I could own my space on the stage in that way so that was at first a practice like people are here to see Wayne Dyer they're not here to see me but I really went out and 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 owned my space and and found that there was resonance in what I was sharing. Yeah. And then Reed said, why don't you start st- sharing little pieces of your story? And as I did that, there was even more resonance. And then the next thing I knew, we were creating a new I Can Do It conference called Ignite, where we were bringing in lots of new, younger authors and speakers and doing 20-minute talks. And as Reed so- and I were working on that program, he said, book yourself for 20 minutes. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, give yourself a 20 minute keynote. You're, you're starting to speak now. And that was two and a half years ago. So I am so grateful that he did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then he, and then he had said to me, you know, why don't we, why don't you put a book together? And so I did. And, you know, even though I worked at Hay House, I decided that I was going to self-publish because I could get it out quicker. And I self-published that book of poetry, Writing for My Life, and I got it out. And I was, that was really started out as my, you know, when I was speaking, it was like my calling card. And then, and then Reed said to me, okay, now it's time to write the next book. It's time to write a real book is what he said to me. (laughs) And he was the one who was really championing me to, to get Jump and Your Life Will Appear out. And, and I had gone to him and said, I want to quit my job. It's too much writing this book and my job. And he said, no, you're, you're missing the point here. You're writing this book so that you can quit your job. You can't quit your job and then write the book. He's like, <laughs> I'll tell you when you can quit your job. <laughs> so I, this has been a process. I, I love all of that. And thank goodness he was that push because we, we need you and we need this work. And so mm. that's amazing. But it's so funny because la- one of the last questions I wanted to, to ask you before we get to the quick fire was about that very thing. And what I love about this book is it's all – and I started to tell you this a little bit before we jumped on or before we started recording and that this book really covers all times of transition, obviously divorce or relationship breakups, but – also applies to career changes too. And applying these principles to your career, how would you coach someone through that process of transitioning from a full-time job to creating their own business or having the bravery to be an entrepreneur if that's foreign? 
Yeah, I mean that's really what I think I'm look I'm I'm embarking on now and yeah. I think that some of these threads will be what I end up writing about in my next book because cool. it's really what I'm in process of. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, you know, was courage and a lot of it but a lot of it was also having tremendous support and trusting and and having having for so long done my coaching and done these other things on the side. So that I, you know, because Rita always says, like, you know, don't quit your day job, you know, just keep doing something on the side until you can, until you're ready to do it. And I think that, that that's what gave me a lot of the courage that I was, I'm not just leaving this job and launching into something else without, without knowing sort of the, the landscape of where I'm going. Yeah. I think that's I think that's such a crucial crucial piece to it is like in the beginning every entrepreneur has to hustle and yes. that's just that's just part of it and I'm in the same space right now and I think that that's it's also doing that hustle but also enjoying it and taking care of yourself and I know that's something and you probably remember this Nancy that Chris Carr really speaks about and she spoke about this during the um, workshop that I attended and that when you're writing a book or when you're hustling, especially as an entrepreneur trying to build your business, you're you're taking care of yourself. Your self-care, your practice could kind of be the first yes. thing to go out. But that actually can't happen because that will be counterproductive. So um, that kind of leads me to my next personal question I wanted to ask you, which is – yes. Um, and I love this question so much. What does your morning routine look like? And what are some of the first things you do when you wake up? And how does that affect how the rest of your day goes? I love this question. <laughs> so I am an early riser. I'm often up somewhere between 5 and 5.30. And I usually just take a few minutes to just lay in bed and just be with myself before I hop up. I used to just bolt out of bed, yeah. and now I now I take a few moments. It's like magic and time in the morning. Yes, I just love take a early few morning. Yes, and then I have two friends with whom we each morning we text each other first thing in the morning three desires for the day. Love that. So usually before I even get out of bed, I text my three desires to my two dear friends, and then it's, I get up, I make myself coffee and I write in my journal. This is the ritual coffee and my journal. And then in these summer months where it's been so brutally hot, I have been out the door running around by, by about six thirty, quarter to seven because it's too hot to run during the day. So I've been usually out, I've been out early to go for a run and then I'll come back and make myself breakfast and get on with my day. But one thing that's really been critical for me that I really learned as I'm transitioning out of my sort of out of my day job and into really being an entrepreneur and having my own time and space is looking at the way I want to schedule my time in my day. So I've got several coaching clients I'm working with and I have a coaching group and I want to leave certain times of the day free for me. 
So I will go into my calendar and just automatically start blocking out chunks of time for me, like my favorite times, like the morning or a certain time in the afternoon to just block it out. So I know that I've always got these chunks of time that I'm not going to schedule anyone else into. I love and that. I think that is a, that's been a really, that's been a very important piece of my own sanity because again, I would take on a thousand coaching clients at a time if I could fit them all into one week. Yeah. I can't. So that's actually, you know, so I, that's why I do the one-on-one and I also started my coaching groups because I want to be able to work with more people, but there's only so many hours in a day. That's amazing. And we'll have links yeah. to all of that. And I love yeah. that you keep the um, those times for you. So what are some examples of things that you do during those Nancy time? Um, I read, I write, I... Um, I have I, I have a deck that overlooks Boulder Creek and beautiful trees and mountains and sometimes I'll just actually just sit. Nice. <laughs> um, I'll do yoga. I'll I'll do all sorts of things. Oh, Nancy um, time sounds so fun. I want to yeah, come Nan- over yeah, and yeah, hang out. Yeah, for Nancy time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, like I said, you know, the past these past five months in particular, I've been I've been really into my Nancy time. Good. And I and I I've. I've really, when I'm home, I'm, I'm a bit of a recluse. I have a, I have a few friends who I will, who I will, you know, make time to go and do things with. But for the most part, I've really been wanting to just be with me. I love that. I think that's such a great takeaway for people to schedule that. And on the other end of the day, could you tell us a little bit about your evening routines and the last few things you do before bed, before winding down? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I go to bed early since I wake up so early. So I, you know, I, I, I would say I go to bed anywhere between, I don't know, it could even be nine o'clock or 1030, 11's my wall. Um, but I do some, I do some, I, I always take, <laughs> I always take a really, really, really hot shower before I go to bed. <laughs> I'm not a morning showerer unless I've got somewhere to go. But if I'm just hanging around or doing whatever, I'm definitely a night shower. I'm, I'm me too. I'm the same way. I have to like wash and, the day off of me. <laughs> yeah, I love to, and I love really, 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 really hot. So, um, I get into bed after my hot, hot shower and, um, and I, not a formal practice of gratitude per se, or a formal, even, even, um, not a formal practice of reflection, but I really do spend some time just looking back at my day. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because what I've really noticed is that I used to be a person who woke up thinking, what do I need to worry about today? Mm. And now I'm someone who wakes up and thinks, what do I want to say yes to today? And so as I'm going to bed, I'm also sort of looking at my choices, my decisions through the day. Is there anything that feels unclean? Is there anything I have to, you know, did I, did I accidentally say yes to something I don't want to do? Did I, is there anything that needs to be sort of addressed or cleaned up. And I find I do that more as I'm heading off to sleep. And then the last thing I do that I've been doing for a long time now is 
um, a dear friend of mine, you might even know her, Terry Cole. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she has this great meditation CD. And one of the tracks is, um, is for manifesting sleep. I and get it's fantastic. And I was, a couple of months ago, I was having a difficult time falling asleep. And it was very unlike, uh, very unlike me because I'm, I'm a good sleeper. Um, but I, I, in the middle of the night and having not fallen asleep yet, I was so frustrated and I thought, oh yeah, Terry's got this CD. So I put that one single track that's 10 minutes long on its own playlist. So it only plays that and it doesn't sort of go into anything else. And I now will put, I will turn out the light. It's my ritual. Like turn out the light, put on that one track and I am asleep and sleep through the night and I wake up in the morning and can't even remember how far I got in that track. Ah, oh, so good. And so that's been really my going to sleep ritual to sort of just wring out my mind and cleanse and really prepare for sleep. Mm, I love that. As Gabby says, sleep is a spiritual practice. Amen. And so important. Love that. All right, so shall we wrap with some quickfire questions? You ready sure. for them? Sure. Okay, here we go. Favorite color? Green. Favorite day of the week? Ooh. I never think about this. <laughs> um, Thursday. <laughs> I like Thursdays too. It's like that anticipation factor we were talking about earlier. <laughs> Favorite hour of the day? Mm-hmm. 5 a.m. Favorite vegetable? Mmm. Brussels sprouts. Oh, so good. Favorite fruit? Cherries. Favorite way to relax? Oh, am I going to admit it? Yes. <laughs> Lately, it's been binge watching Orange is the New Black. <laughs> I love that. All about authenticity. <laughs> I I sometimes believe, and I'm glad that you said this, because I recently have been on a rom-com binge myself, yep. I, but I'm calling it, like, um, education. I keep going to the library, and I'll get, like, you know, I last night I watched Hitch, and it just felt yep. so good to end my day doing that, and I was smiling, and it just, I, you know, releasing all guilt with watching TV, because sometimes you just need a little bit, and it and it feels good, just like you said, relaxing. I love that. Um, mm. Favorite, or not favorite, um, which, when do you hear your intuition loudest? Oh. oh. I would say definitely when I'm outside, when I'm running or hiking. Mm, I thought you would say when you were writing. That's probably I don't there know, too. Though. I don't think that's intuition. I don't know. I, that That's not... I don't know. Different don't thing. Know. I feel, yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah. Because that's more just like coming through me. Yeah, your thoughts. But I hear. I, I, when I'm writing, it's not about hearing mm-hmm. for me. But when I'm, when I'm out in nature, I hear. Mm. I know what you mean. I know it's, it's a different thing. I, yeah. Like those creative ideas, they can come while writing, but usually they come earlier and then you kind of expand on them when Yeah, writing. that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what superhero power would you have if you could have one for a day? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
the ability to make the ability to make a 36 hour day <laughs> oh my goodness um favorite city you've ever traveled to amsterdam and any travel tips you have that since you travel so much carry on carry on carry on <laughs> be calm and just carry on <laughs> i i have i have a record of 73 days straight in carry on luggage only wow yep nice yep. i will not check a bag do you have a favorite travel snack or like some go-to things you bring in your like in your purse bag i do i travel with cashews raw cashews I like to travel with popcorn. I like to travel with um, little single servings of almond butter and hummus, things like that. Yum. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember once, I think in the summit, you were talking to someone, you were saying that um, that Louise always brings sardines. She <laughs> does. Louise travels with sardines. Always. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. just love her so much. Yeah. Um favorite do you have a favorite this might be like choosing your children but favorite hay house event you've ever produced oh my one that just Um, was like really fun or something gosh that's so i mean there's so many (laughs) i I mean it's like it's 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 not even i can't even i don't even know if i can pick because you know it ranges from being on maui with wayne dye to all of our writers' workshops, with which I love, to these fabulous cruises we've done, and this. Okay, I mean, might I, I might have to pick if I have to really pick one. We did a we did a trip to Europe to um, three sacred sites to Lords, Assisi, and Medjugorje a few summers ago with Wayne, and we took about 150 people. That, and that was that was magical. That yeah, it, he talks about that in Wishes Fulfilled, I think, right? Yeah. And yeah. I remember reading about it and it sounded magical. All of the things that happened and wow. Yeah, that's Yeah. That wins. <laughs> um yeah. favorite movie. Wow. Like most favorite movie. Um Why is this so hard? It's a big question. It's funny. I know. It's a great question. I have to really think. You know, the movie that's popping into my head is, do you know the movie Magnolia? I've heard of it, but I don't think I've seen it. Okay. It's really amazing. And that's, I don't know. That's what's popping into my head Ooh, right good. now. It's really good. It's, it's probably my top five at least, but yeah, you should definitely see I'm going to go get that from the library. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Might be tonight's movie. Um, good. Favorite book. It's a tough one, too. I have a lot of favorite books. I should have told you these before. No, I'm glad you didn't. Okay, I'm breaking the rules because I'm going to give you a couple favorite books. Okay, no, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. That's good. Um, the Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. Hmm. Devotion by Danny Shapiro. <gasps> I love that book. I can't believe you mm-hmm. said that. I love that book so much. And... Um, Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser. Ooh, I haven't, I've only read one of those. I'm going to give you those three. Nice. Okay, I've got, I've got two good books on my list now. Do you have a favorite song? 
Anything I don't have a favorite song. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a funny music person. Like music, I mean, I love music yeah. and it's, it's not, um, music does not play a huge role in my life. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I should make you a CD, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, I need one. Make me a okay. CD. Okay, I'm, I'm totally tape. going to. I'm make totally going to. One. Do you it's like promise? My, yes, it's like my favorite okay, thing good. to do. Oh my God, you must. I, no. I totally want it. I have tons of music and I listen to it when I run sometimes and my sister's family is uber musical, but I don't know. Like I, when I'm home, I never put on music. I, it's always quiet. I don't Oh my gosh. When I'm, I'm in the, the car I'm the driving. Opposite. I'm the opposite because I like, I love listening to vinyl. So I like always have to have a record on when I'm home or I'm either listening to like Hey House Radio or a podcast or music all the time. Like, I it's love never that you've got quiet. vinyl. You yeah. are so retro. <laughs> well, you'll have to come over to the Wellness Wonderland. I would love to. <laughs> well, I'm definitely making you a CD and I'm so sorry. I have a feeling that we're gonna have similar taste in music because I just feel really connected with you. Okay, good. I'm totally excited. Yay. Okay, good. Yay. So, um, one more question before my big final finale oh, no. question. The big, so, the big, the yeah. big firework yeah. question. So that's not this one. That's the next one. But this one, I, I want to know what are you most excited about in your life right now, and what are you like afraid of, maybe that you're pushing yourself to do, anyways. I have to say it, it's it's I'm most excited about about and sort of the borderline of afraid and all that is taking this big jump into leaving what I leaving a world that I've known for, you know, at Hay House for 12 years. But I've been producing events for companies, organizations for 20 years. So to yeah. go out totally on my own and be totally free and and in the and in the zone as me, um, that is what I'm most excited about. Well, you're in luck because there's this great book called Jump that will guide you right through transitions. You just have to pick it up. There's amazing I, I am steps. Definitely taking my own medicine. The author's really groovy. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, last question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, as you yeah. know, the name of this podcast and um, my space on the internet is the wellness wonderland. So when yeah. I offer that term to you, Nancy, to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you? It, the first thing that comes up to me is just to, is just really to live in alignment with what feels good to me. Hmm. That's perfect. I love that answer. This mm. has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here with me. And let everyone know anything else you want them to know. Is there anything else you want to share? Just come on and visit me online at nancylevin.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can click through to my Facebook page there. And I do offer complimentary jumpstart coaching sessions for my private one-on-one -on -one coaching and my group coaching. So if that is something that interests you, you can find out all the details over at nancylevin.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. We have all of those links right below this episode. So please check out all of Nancy, all of her work, read her book for sure. And also think about working with her in the, either the group setting or one-on-one. -on -one. And just, she's clearly so amazing. So you <laughs> will be so glad that you did. So thank you guys so much. And thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Bye. Bye, honey. 
Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.